0: Well, we're going to turn now to the second part of Isaiah chapter 37 this evening. Isaiah chapter 37. The title of the sermon, as I've said, is A Miraculous Victory. And I'm going to read now from verse 22 to the end of the chapter. Or maybe I'll start from... Let me just get the verse here. From 21, rather, uh, to the end of the chapter. And let's hear the Word of God. The title is A Miraculous Victory. In verse 21... Then Isaiah, the son of Amos sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. She despises you, she scorns you, the virgin daughter of Zion. <clears throat> she wags her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. Whom have you mocked and reviled? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes to the heights? Against the Holy One of Israel. By your servants you have mocked the Lord and you have said, With with my many chariots I have gone up the heights of the mountains to the far recesses of Lebanon to cut down its tallest cedars, its choicest cypresses, to come to its remotest height its most fruitful forest. I dug wells and drank waters to dry up with the sole of my foot all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I planned from days of old what now I bring to pass, that you should make fortified cities crash into heaps of ruins while their inhabitants, shorn of strength, are dismayed and confounded. And I've become like plants of the field and like tender grass, like grass on the housetops, blighted before it is grown. I know you're sitting down and you're going out and you're coming in and you're raging against me because you have raged against me and your complacency has come to my ears. I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth and I will turn you back on the way by which you came. And this shall be the sign for you. This year you shall eat what grows of itself, and in the second year what springs from that. Then in the third year sow and reap and plant vineyards and eat their fruit. And the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors... The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria He shall not come into this city, or shoot an arrow there, or come before it with a shield, or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Verse 36. And the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. And as he was worshipping in the house of Nisroch, his god, Adramelech and Shariza, his sons, struck him down with the sword. And after they escaped into the land of Ararat, Esar haddan his son, reigned in his place. The title of the sermon tonight is A Miraculous Victory. The purpose of preaching is to bring out the most important points that we can learn from regarding the gospel and regarding the intended meaning of scripture. And so tonight I have three simple headings for us. The first heading is Hezekiah prays. Hezekiah prays. The second heading is this, Isaiah helps Hezekiah. Isaiah helps Hezekiah, and the third heading, which is remarkable, 185,000 Assyrians are defeated. 185,000 Assyrians are defeated. And how are they defeated? God sends one angel, the angel of the Lord, And that one angel of the Lord destroys all those enemies. Jeremiah records this, or we find this in the book of Jeremiah, is anything, uh, I think it's in Jeremiah, uh, nothing is too difficult for thee, the King James says anyway. Um, And we find elsewhere in scripture, uh, is anything too hard for the Lord? So there's so much that we can learn tonight from this passage from Isaiah 37, this miraculous victory, which really points us further beyond that miraculous victory to the miraculous victory of what happened in Jerusalem about 700 years later, that there was a man called Jesus of Nazareth who was nailed to a tree. And most people didn't know what was happening there, but there all eternity was being changed as god almighty laid upon jesus sin and he became a sin offering and six hours upon the cross and then he was taken down from the cross a a corpse was handed over to the disciples imagine that a dead corpse the body of jesus the one in whom the disciples have put all their hopes in and now what's happened to their hopes their hopes have been completely dashed seemingly as they received this dead body, and Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea and some of the faithful women, they bury the dead body of Jesus. And if that was the end, we wouldn't have hope. But just as Jesus said, on the third day, they went to the tomb and he was no longer there. And the angel said, he is not here, he is risen. And so here tonight we're going beyond just looking at this wonderful victory that happened in the days of the Assyrians and looking at the wonderful victory that Jesus has accomplished for us. But as we get to the first heading tonight, uh, Hezekiah prays. Well, how is your prayer life? Well, we could ask all of us that question. Do we spend time praying? Do we have a, a, a daily routine and a weekly routine where we Uh, get on our knees and we call upon the name of the Lord. There's one songwriter that wrote this, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. How God calls us to pray, to call upon his name, to draw near to him. But this is no ordinary situation. In chapter 37 and verse 1, it says, As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, He tore his clothes, the the news, the report of what this Rabshakeh, who was a military leader of the Assyrians, as soon as they heard this report, this taunting, this mocking of Hezekiah, this mocking of the living God. What does he do? It says, as soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth. But if that's all it said... It wouldn't tell us enough. But then we find this important next line, and he went into the house of the Lord. Where did Hezekiah turn to in this time of great difficulty? He went to the house of the Lord. He was, he was blessed because he was living in Jerusalem, and the house of the Lord was the temple where God promised to dwell for the worship of the people of God in Judah. Judah. And we know that from the age of 25, when he began to reign, that he began to to open the temple doors that had lain closed. He didn't have a godly father. Maybe you sit here tonight and you say, well, I don't come from a godly family. Well, neither did Hezekiah. His dad was King Ahaz, which was, was one of the most wicked kings that Judah had. And yet somehow we don't We don't have it recorded, but the grace of God was poured out upon Hezekiah, who began to reign at the age 25, and he was a a man who was most keen for the glory of God. And he set about to reform the worship in Judah and to put God first. He reinstituted the Passover. He organized the priests and people were being called to worship God. And here we find in verse 1, In this time of great, great need, where does he turn? He goes to the house of the Lord. Which is exactly what Jesus says, doesn't he? We've prayed for Oman tonight, and Jesus says in Mark's Gospel, 11, verse 17, after Jesus cleansed the temple, in Mark's Gospel we read, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The church is a house of prayer for all nations and here we find hezekiah turns to the house of the lord but one other thought for us to think about why was it so difficult well he was surrounded by this overpowering army of assyrians who came against judah they now come against jerusalem they've already conquered all the different towns in judah and all that's left now is for jerusalem to fall It it looks as if it's just about to happen, is it not? And what were the Assyrians like who were surrounding Jerusalem? And who was in Jerusalem? A remnant of Judah, the prophet Isaiah, and king Hezekiah. And Assyria was the the superpower of the whole region. They were the most powerful nation. And I'm not trying to uh, bring this across to... Uh, be gory but there's one thing that the Assyrians seem to uh, practice doing with their enemies and it's something called flaying. Flaying that's not a word that we come across today but when they conquered their enemies they would take away their enemies and they would flay them which means they may take them to Nineveh or somewhere like that and they would skin them alive. What a terrible way to die. I don't even want to go into the details. And who would be in the line for that? Well, no doubt. Um, King Hezekiah and Isaiah the prophet, to name but two. They were a most wicked people. Hateful and inhumane. So this is no ordinary situation. It's absolutely desperate. And the first thing we find is that our, King Hezekiah... He prays and he turns to God in the house of the Lord. Our second heading is that Isaiah helps Hezekiah. Isaiah helps Hezekiah. What an encouragement it must have been for Isaiah. You know, there were four kings through which Isaiah preached. And there were two kings, Uh, Uzziah and Jotham that did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Even though they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, it didn't mean though that all of Judah were actually following the Lord. But then it seemed in the middle, as it were, of Isaiah's ministry that the wheels come off because there's this king uh, who now, who was Hezekiah's father, who turns the nation over to rampant idolatry and even closes the doors of the temple he couldn't even worship god in the house of the lord anymore it was Ahaz's a 16 year reign of idolatry mayhem and distress and you can read about that in two chronicles and as we've said hezekiah set out to open the temple doors And he was strengthened by the hand of Isaiah. And Isaiah must have been really rejoicing that at last he was a king now who was really helping to restore true worship for Judah. And and we find as we read in Chronicles and 2 Kings that when he instituted the Passover, that, that nothing had been seen like this since the days of Solomon. Imagine that. In the days of Hezekiah, nothing had been seen like that since the days of Solomon. And Isaiah himself must have been absolutely thrilled with what was happening. But what we find is that a number of years later that Jerusalem is now surrounded by the Assyrians. What will happen? That's a great question. And Isaiah helps Hezekiah, not only in the restoration of worship, but also as they pray together. In 5 and 37, 5 and 7, when the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard, with which the young men of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. Imagine that. Imagine uh, uh, King Hezekiah's prayed was the first heading. The second heading is Isaiah helps him, but it's really God through Isaiah that's helping Hezekiah, and he brings this word from the Lord. He says, Do not fear, do not be afraid. And how many times do we have that verse in the scriptures? But this context is, is absolutely a context of fear. And the Lord says through Isaiah that they're going to hear a rumor and they're going to, um, God himself will put that spirit in them, they'll hear a rumor and they're going to return to their own land. What do you make of that? It just seems impossible. And what's impossible with man is possible with God In Proverbs 28 and verse 9 it says if one turns away his ear from hearing the law even his prayer is an abomination. Well King Hezekiah was not a man who was turning away his ear from hearing the law. He was actually seeking to obey the law and to lead other people to do the same thing. And in Proverbs 15:29 it says the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. And here was a man, King Hezekiah, who was seeking to do that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He was following God's, the Lord's prescriptions. And so we see in chapter 37, 5 and 7 that the Lord answers Hezekiah's prayer and brings this prophecy in a remarkable manner. And then we find in verse 8, it says, as soon as this prophecy comes... Then Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he had heard that the king had left Lachish. Now, this is just the beginning of the Lord turning the enemy away from Judah. The Rabshakeh returned. Imagine having such a godly man as Isaiah to strengthen you. We may wonder, how is this going to happen even? They may have been wondering, how on earth is God going to deliver us still, though, from the Assyrians? They're still camped all around Jerusalem. You could look out the windows. Well, they wouldn't maybe have had windows like we have windows, but look out from the walls and see Assyrians everywhere. And then in verse 16, Hezekiah prays again. Um well, verse 15, And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim. You are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made the heaven and heaven the and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone, therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord our God, save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. What a wonderful prayer imagine praying that in such difficulty he says you alone O lord are the lord that doesn't mean though for us in our own lifetime it doesn't mean that if we just take that prayer and pray in the same way that every time we face a difficulty god will remove that from our way god does different things in different times for his own glory But in in Zechariah's time, we have this verse that Zechariah prophesied. He says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And what a wonderful reminder that is for all of us this evening. We don't know always what God will do, but what we do know is that we're called to walk by faith and to live a life of prayer and to turn to the Lord in prayer. And who knows what the Lord may do and in verse 21 it says then Isaiah the son of Amos again now for a second time sent to Hezekiah saying thus says the Lord the God of Israel because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib king of Assyria this is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him and I want to encourage us tonight about prayer do you feel as I feel that you've barely begun in the school of prayer do you feel sometimes you call upon the lord and has the lord heard our prayer and dear sister dear brother he certainly has he gathers our prayers we may forget our prayers but our heavenly father doesn't he hears the cry of the righteous he hears us calling to him and maybe tonight our situation is is not as dramatic as what hezekiah is facing But Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And let's be encouraged that prayer is never a waste of time. When we pray and approach God in the name of Jesus, the Lord hears the faintest whisper of the people of God. Of course, the devil would whisper in our ear and say, what's the point, O Christian, of praying? Is God really listening to you? Don't you see the situation is not changing? But we're called to walk by faith and not by sight. Our third and last heading, though, tonight, we've seen Hezekiah praying and, and Isaiah helping him. And thirdly and lastly, we have this miraculous victory, which is 185,000 Assyrians defeated. And if we just turn in our Bibles to verse 36, it says as a result of that prayer and then the prophecy by Isaiah and the angel of the Lord went out and struck down hundred and eighty five thousand in the camp of the Assyrians and when people arose early in the morning behold these were all dead bodies what a remarkable miraculous victory for the people of God And we need to be reminded tonight that this is our church history that we're talking about. This is the Old Testament church. God has never changed. He he renewed the church on the day of Pentecost and gave a greater measure of the Holy Spirit. The atonement was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And we're now to preach and worship in the triune God in his name. But this is our church history here in... Isaiah chapter 37, let me read it again. The angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. What a remarkable thing that was. When they arose early, the, the remnant were delivered from not only the Assyrians, but also the king of Assyria, who himself, Sennacherib, came to an end we can rejoice tonight that our God has never changed may the Lord strengthen our faith tonight as we turn to the Lord in prayer not even just for tonight but who knows this could be a message that may encourage us in five years time who knows what trials you may face some people face trials caring for aged fathers or mothers and it seems so trivial in a sense When someone is seeking to honour the Lord by taking care of an elderly father or mother. And how important these things are to the Lord. It's not always the big things such as the Assyrians coming against them. But the Lord hears the cry of the righteous. And so let's be strengthened tonight with the covenant faithfulness of God. With this miraculous victory of the Lord. That we have a wonderful God we have a powerful God. It doesn't always turn out like this, of 185,000 dying, but let's finish off tonight We're just thinking about three or four doctrines for us to take away. Um, the first is the doctrine of true and persevering prayer. What would have happened if Hezekiah had said, this is just hopeless, nothing, nothing is, is working? But no, we learn from King Hezekiah the doctrine of persevering prayer prayer which is exactly what we get in the new testament we're we're exhorted to persevere in prayer another doctrine that we learn are the mysterious interventions of god in response to prayer the mysterious interventions of god in response to prayer who knows how many things that god does and answers prayer that you and i never even see that would have prevented us from going down a certain path and who knows what. The mysterious interventions, and it was a mysterious intervention that here God sent an angel to defeat the enemy. And God doesn't, doesn't really do repeats. You know, it's not, you know, you go to the cinema or the theater you know, and they have repeat performances every night. We never know how God may answer and how he may act. He acts in his way in his time. And thirdly, another doctrine that we learn tonight, just as a reminder, the importance of right and true worship according to the Lord's pattern. And King Hezekiah sought to restore that for the people of God, which is a basis by which God answered prayer. And how important it is for the restoration of true and right worship. Which is not something to be traded off that's separate to prayer. And finally, what we learn from King Hezekiah in 37 and verse 1 is a biblical understanding of the house of the Lord. Not necessarily the physical buildings, God, uh, you know, but the gathering together of the saints of God, the house of the Lord, the people gathering together, a biblical understanding of that. And we see in hezekiah's day that he went to the house of the lord and prayed we're going to finish off our worship this evening by by praying the lord's prayer and i want to close by reminding us that when there's a line in the lord's prayer where we pray hallowed be your name and if we remember that's exactly what how king hezekiah prayed Before he launched into giving a request, he took time to hallow the name of God and his attributes. And I'm sure you would join with me how we all need to grow in doing that before we move on in prayer. As we pray in the name of Jesus, we're reminded that the glory of God is our goal. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ and trust in the power of the Holy Spirit For his answers. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Amen.